authenticity isn't really a thing. It's just who you are when mm. when you get rid of everything else, mm-hmm, right? It's just mm-hmm. you know when when you get rid of the the fear and the distractions. That's that's what it is. So, but personality, injecting personality. So I, that's what I think. It's like, it's just you'll be yourself. But but how do you get their attention and interest? I think that's probably really what you're what you're looking at. How totally. do you get to? How do you get their attention and interest? You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Dove. It's great to have you joining me here today. Great to be here. Super good that we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics today, which is building relationships. Before we dive into your very cool idea of how you do this, well, I'd love you to share who it is that you work with and the kind of clients that you work with. Yeah, I work with mostly consultants, uh, some coaches too. Um, professional service firms broadly, but I focus on consultants who have a high value offer, some way of transforming their clients' businesses usually uh, in a highly valuable way. Uh, and they don't see themselves as the charismatic guru type. You know, they, they much prefer uh, what, what we call becoming an under-the-radar leader in your industry. And we, you know, help them rather than, we'll help them see that there's an alternative to the uh, Facebook ads ninja path and the um, (laughs) spamming people uh, on LinkedIn path Um, (laughs) and the, you know, the, it's not always about, you know, rebranding is a wonderful thing. We're in the middle of a slow one. Publishing a book is a wonderful thing, but there are so many tactics out there, but, but the seasoned, the more experienced consultants, I, I, at least from what I see, they already know that most of their, their best clients are going to come from referrals and relationships, someone that maybe heard them speak somewhere uh, and then, hey, could we talk? But they weren't ready right away, you know, maybe six months down the line. Mm-hmm. And the problem with referrals, of course, is that referrals are unpredictable, mm-hmm. you know, depending on other people. Uh, and relationships take a lot of time and often you don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So my whole method, which I've really built myself by accident over many years, and I'll, it quite took me a while to realize what I what I'd done and how valuable it is. It's really, it's providing that alternative because there's so many people who they're just not, either their personality isn't a fit for so much of the typical marketing stuff that we all hear about, mm-hmm. or they're, they're just, their values just doesn't feel right to them mm-hmm. or both. Yeah, totally. I love that because we all do have different personality types. So what I love about this is that um, this is for people that don't feel confident in in standing up and being that guru. That is okay for some people, but I know a lot of consultants actually are not in that space of of you know wanting to be that you know standout brand. I guess. And I also loved that you said that you made this by accident. And I find that so interesting because so many of us, I call it our zone of genius. You know, a lot of us do, it comes so naturally that we don't even realize it's a thing. So before we even go into what an alchemy network is, what was it that made you realize that your zone of genius was a thing because it came to you so naturally? I'll give a quick overview of, of what it was and then we can try to 
analyze it uh, <laughs> to answer your question. Well, I, I spent the first seven, eight years of my consulting coaching career trying to get uh, clients, corporate clients. I managed to get some, but it was never really enough. I started a CEO peer advisory group and I did manage to get CEOs of companies doing between two, uh, 10 and 150, $200 million in sales. I think we even had one doing $250 million in sales. And we'd meet for half a day, 10 times a year, I think it was, and learn from each other. And that was really great. And that really did help me get some clients and I learned a lot. But what I learned more than anything was how much I, how naive I had been going in, how little I actually knew about, you know, I, I was this guy who, young guy, early 20s, I had skills. I knew, I knew that I could help. I knew that I, I it's probably more accurate to say that I had talent mm-hmm. and I had not yet refined it into, you refined the underlying skills and processes and systems. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that an early mentor of mine said to me, he says, Dove, you've got talent, but you don't have skills, you know, processes. And it hit me like, you know, upside the head. And I still think about it like, wow, that I was, it, it was one of those where you can feel something, you could sense it, but you just don't know what it is until somebody uh-huh. says it to you. And then suddenly it's all, it all falls into place. It's crystal uh-huh. clear. I, and so then I realized, okay, I, I didn't know what, what even meant by skills. I was so naive. You know, I, I, I thought skills were physical things like playing the piano or the violin or gardening or carpentry. I didn't realize that there are so-called soft skills, which not all are so soft. Right? Mm. I mean, some are quite concrete in, in, in that they're firm. So that's, um, that's, uh, that's part of where it started. So, but those first seven, eight years was really just pushing a boulder up the hill. I, you know, I, I suppose it might've been easier if I had gotten a job and worked for somebody else, but I also suspect that if I'd done that, a lot of my creativity would have been beaten out of mm, me. Totally. So I'm grateful that that worked out. Mm. Uh, I, there, it, there were in 2008, I was in a difficult uh, place and I did actually apply for a few jobs and it looked like I was almost going to get one at a consulting firm. And that was the weekend when everything crashed. Uh, mm-hmm. like the Lehman Brothers crashed. I don't remember what day of the week it was. It was, was it that? Uh, it was one of, the, one of those days over there uh-huh. over the weekend, I think it was. So then they decided they weren't hiring anybody. And I figured, well, um, the universe shoot. was sending you okay. a big lesson, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, what am I going to do now? But on the other hand, I also wasn't, had not been very excited about going to work for them. And they mm. probably picked up on that because, you know, they, they, they were largely looking for somebody who's just going to do things their way, which makes sense. It's their business. If I'm mm-hmm. hiring somebody, I'm going to want to do it my way. Mm-hmm. But I like to come in and, and ask questions. Well, wouldn't this be better? And there's a place for that, but there's a place to not, you know, there's a place to just do it the way it's being done. And I, I'd probably be an awful employee, but fortunately I haven't had to find out. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so, so I, I ended up uh, realizing, you know, I, I did, you know, that, that was kind of towards the end of, of that period where, where I, you know, I'd started to figure out what was going wrong. And I, I, I realized what I was doing and I grew, I grew my, my consulting business uh, over the next couple of years. But then I also realized that there are so many people like me who are, you know, they have what to offer. They're good at what they do. A lot of them are what I think of as corporate refugees. They left the corporate world and there are a lot of them right now in 2020 mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. COVID and layoffs and all that good people who think, well, hey, I could just go out and do this, you know, on my own. What do I have to deal with all the corporate bureaucracy for? What do I have to deal with all the, the, the artificial restrictions? What do I have to, I'll do it my way. And I'm really good at it. People will want to work with me. And then they discover that it doesn't work that way. A few days ago, I was talking to two people who are, they'd worked 
really side by side for years in multi-billion dollar business. One of them was his title was the, he was the head of digital for this multi-billion dollar business. I mean, he Mm -hmm. was a place that has 10,000 locations. Wow. And then, and they were responsible for marketing, you know, to each location, online marketing. And just imagine, I didn't even ask him if he had working for him, but it's just, it was a huge uh, operation that he was responsible for. And the other guy was his right-hand man, like for many years. They also moved to another another business that had 7,000 locations. And they figured that, oh, okay, with COVID, they decided to go out on their own. They realized they, they want to do it for 10 years, but they figured if this is the best time that this is going to be. And what they want to be doing is similar work for $50 million businesses and up. Mm-hmm. And and they figured, well, I could reach out to them and tell them, hey, here's the guy who was running digital for such such company. I won't mention it because uh, out of respect for mm. his privacy, mm-hmm. don't want to get him in trouble. So, uh, but everybody knows the name. So, and, it, you know, it, he thought that on that basis and the fact that he was sending them a somewhat personal email, that they'd respond and, they, and they'd be thrilled to talk to him. And he's discovering that. No, not, not necessarily. So <laughs> not so much. Not so much. And and that's because he, you know, I, and I asked him to to share the email that he was sending, and he shared one of them that he customized, and and I was able to point out that look, there's um, we're going a bit on a tangent, but messaging uh-huh. really matters. I mean, that is you know, the, when, when you're reaching out to talk to somebody, you, you want to start a conversation with somebody. There are three questions that you need to lead them to answer yes to from where they've never heard of you to where they're happy to spend money with you. Mm-hmm. Three questions. The first one that pops into their mind is, should I pay attention? Is it interesting? And if you mm-hmm. send them a cold email or a cold LinkedIn message or, or you, are, you, you got a post on, uh, that shows up on their Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, well, it doesn't matter. These are all just tactics. They can all work. They could all fail. Our brain is wired to ask the, some version of, should I pay attention? Is it interesting? Mm-hmm. And if they conclude, no, not interesting, they're, they're gone. They don't even enter your funnel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, a, but, it's a scroll. Yeah, they're gone. And mm-hmm. this is an instantaneous decision. It's not even um, a conscious decision, is it? Really? Usually not. No. Sometimes it could be. Sometimes mm-hmm. they, they might. Sometimes they, they be, they are, the brain is like, yes, enough to read the first few lines of the email, and then it's a no, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so it, it's, it's a constantly cycling of these three questions, really. But should I pay attention is interesting. Their brain goes, no, they're gone. If their brain answers, yes, it is interesting. Then instantly they have a second question, which is, okay, you got me interested, but can I trust you? Who mm-hmm. are you? Do you actually care about me? Do you know what you're talking about? Do you sound like everybody else and, and probably get the same results as everybody else I've already dealt with? Mm-hmm. And so if the answer, if they, if your ideal client uh, is at that point and their brain concludes, no, they're gone. They're out of your funnel. Mm-hmm. And then if they, um, if they conclude yes, then instantly they have a, new, a third question, which is, is what you recommend right for me? So should I pay attention? Is it interesting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got me interested. Can I trust you? Yes. Is what you recommend right for me? And over there, of course, no is they're gone, but, or at least for now, but they might, come, they might stick around and maybe ready in the future. But uh, a yes, congratulations, you have a, a good deal. So everything that you're doing in order to, you know, to get in front of potential clients and lead them to a closed deal really just has to be designed to answer one or more of those questions. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is they were re- re- thought that they could rely on their, the, the, the place they'd come from, right? The, the big name. The big name, um, the big money. The big name and a pretty standard customized email template. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is that they'd pulled together a, a database of 14,000 names. Mm-hmm. 
they bought and couple, I don't know exactly what they did. They bought a database and they, they, or maybe a few of them put them together and they were customizing emails, which is a good thing to do. So it, it takes time, but some are customizing and they're checking out the, 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 the each potential company that they're reaching out to and saying, Oh, I noticed this about your website and so on. The problem is that everybody who's doing that is doing that. Everybody's mm-hmm. taking that mm-hmm. kind of approach of customizing their emails. They all sound the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They all sound the same. So it, it's not really customization. Um, well, I suppose it's customization, but it, what it fails to do is to land. Uh, you, you don't have a, what I call a simple, compelling, head-turning message. Mm-hmm. So they open your email if they do. They get past the subject line, they open it, and they're quickly skinning it, skimming it, and they think, hmm, I don't know, interesting? No, sounds just like the 49 other emails I got this morning, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So what's the difference between that compelling message that you're talking about and inserting personality into it? Because we all understand what we're talking about with a vanilla email or a vanilla message. That's, that's how I describe it. You know, it just sort of blends into everyone else's message but is it just about the message or does there need to be some personality in there you know where does that fall so personality is always is always good but it has to be really you like it has to be mm-hmm. i hate to use the word authenticity because that's been oh, used i know so often it's really hard isn't it yeah, yeah it's like it's like the word's been ruined <laughs> <laughs> it, there's so many words that have been ruined Yeah, because yeah. Uh, there's some truth to it. And then all these people pounce on it and, and just, um, you know, sell it into, until it's not what it is. But, but it's, it's really not so much the fault of those. Well, it doesn't matter whose fault it is really. It, it, like we have to be savvy students. Mm-hmm. If somebody's out there saying, uh, you know, teaching authenticity, I, I can understand the struggle of holding yourself back. I can understand the struggle of self-doubt, of questioning yourself, of thinking, well, maybe this won't work. I totally understand that. But authenticity isn't really a thing. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just who you are when, mm. when you get rid of everything else, mm-hmm, right? It's just, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you get rid of the, the fear and the distractions, that's, that's what it is. So I don't know. But personality, injecting personality. So I, that's what I think. It's, it's just you'll be yourself. But but how do you get their attention and interest? I think that's probably really what you're, what you're looking at. How, totally. do you get to, how do you get their attention and interest? And there are only two things. I was reflecting on this years ago, and I realized that there's only two things that anybody's interested in. Because you've studied marketing, I'm sure, as I have and many others, your direct marketing. There's, everybody quotes, um, I forget the guy's name. I never read his book, but he was quoted so many times. And he says that it's about advertising. Good advertising enters the conversation going on in the mind of the customer, Mm -hmm. right? And I was thinking, well, enters the conversation going on in the mind of the customer. All right, that makes sense. Well, what's the conversation going on in the mind of the customer? What are we thinking about? And I realized, well, what am I thinking about? I'm always thinking about either a problem that I have and don't want Mm -hmm. or a result I want and don't have. And that Mm -hmm. result I want and don't have, a change I want and don't have, an experience I want and don't have. that's pretty much what I'm thinking about. And that's, I think that's true for most people, except mm-hmm. for those who are really good at being present in the moment all the time, which is almost no one. So, <laughs> um, so uh, if that's it, then my messaging needs to be about a problem that they have and don't want and or a result they want and don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's really simple. So if you and I are at some kind of conference, hopefully soon, we'll get back to Sometime we'll be able to get in a plane. <laughs> yeah. So 
if we're at some kind of conference and we're walking past the exhibitor booth and we're <laughs> heading towards a session, we don't have any plans to stop. And then, you know, I, I'm kind of just looking at the different booths and the signs and then something catches my eye and I say, hey, Samantha, let's just look at that. Let's go over there. Mm-hmm. And we change our plan. We were heading straight. We turned to the right. And we walk over. Why did that happen? It's because something in that message got my interest, not just my attention. Everything else was getting my attention, but it wasn't causing me to change my plans. It wasn't causing me to go right instead of straight. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about a problem that I have and don't want, result I want and don't have, and it, you have to talk about it in the way that I'm thinking about it. Because if you enter the conversation in a way that's too high, you're going to lose me. I'm not even going to notice you. For example, I had a client who was a leadership consultant, mm-hmm. right? Now, she was also a, a corporate refugee. She left the corporate world after uh, she, she had been leading marketing for a 50, no, sorry, a, a, she was leading a 50-person marketing department for a billion-dollar construction company in the United States. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she wanted to do leadership consulting. But a year after she left, she found herself doing, you know, local websites for little small businesses. Oh, and wow. That, Nothing wrong with that, but it's not what she wanted. I was going to say, I bet she was pretty unfulfilled though. <laughs> yeah. And, and somehow she found me. I don't remember exactly how. And, and I said, look, the first thing you got to do is make a list. What are the problems that you help solve? What are the results that you enable? Mm-hmm. And she made a list. And I looked over that list and I said, that, you could, you could build a business on that. And I don't remember exactly how she worded it, but what we ended up developing it into was I help companies solve the problems they have from that employee who's too valuable to fire. Mm-hmm. Okay, I help companies solve the problems they have with that employee who's too valuable to fire. Now, imagine my client and some other leadership consultant at some kind of uh, event, and you know, they're introduced to uh, you know, Joe's CEO who runs a billion-dollar company, and definitely there's a need for leadership consultants somewhere in that company, mm-hmm. always is. And Joe's being polite but not really interested, and he turns to the first one and says, uh, so what do you do? And, and he says, well, I'm a, I'm a leadership consultant. And Joe's like, yep, very nice, very, very nice. We've uh-huh. recycled through several like you uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. with varying degrees of result of success. So it turns to my client and says, what do you do? And she says, well, I help companies solve the problems they have with that employee who's too valuable to fire. And suddenly he's thinking about that employee he's got who's too mm-hmm. valuable to fire, but is a real pain in the you-know-what. So totally, like, that's what I mean by enter when I wish I could remember his name, when he says enter the conversation going on in the mind of the ideal client. And when I say that we're all thinking about a problem that you have and don't want result you want, don't have, I don't mean, you know, a very high level. I mean, you've got to enter it at the level they're thinking about it. It could become too granular, like too detailed, too on the ground that it's like, you know, we don't even notice it. We step on it. It could be too high up in the sky. We don't notice it. We're Mm -hmm. walking underneath underneath it. And, but that messaging, in order for it to really click to work, you, it has to be at the right level. So how do we do that? Well, that comes from understanding. Now, when, when you're, one of the reasons that we all struggle to talk about what we do is because we feel like we sound like everybody else. We mm. sense that we're unable mm-hmm. to find the words that accurately encapsulate what we want to get across. Someone asks, what do you do? And we don't know what to say. I also find that some people find that they struggle to find the words because they don't want to sound like someone else. Um, I, I find that a lot I too. Oh, problem. you know, there's those, those people that, that are bigger than me, the people that are, you know, the, the, the gurus, the whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing something similar. So I yeah. find that that's, that's also a problem. Yeah, I have that problem. I, I had it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you sorted I, I, that out. <laughs> well, I, I, look, some, some people 
don't, I, I, I can only speak from a distance, but some people don't seem to have any problem just copying somebody else. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Somebody says, do A, B, C, and D, and then you'll have, you know, a boat and a house and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, many houses that should be. And, and, <laughs> and vacations. And, do, do A, B, C, and D, because that's what I did, and then you'll have the same things that I have. Uh-huh. And they say, okay, sure. And they'll do A, B, C, and D. It's all an act. It's all performance. At least that's what it appears to be. And of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I try not to be very judgmental. But from a distance, and I compare that to how I feel like, I, I can't do that. I can't just mimic somebody else. Mm-hmm. It has to be mine somehow to some degree. I could learn the principles. I could learn the processes. I could learn the systems. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to be the bearer of a message, I need to feel comfortable and confident mm-hmm. that it's a message that, that, that I'm proud to carry. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, that undermines my confidence. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. That's when we don't share, when, when it's just not feeling, feeling right. Absolutely. Totally. So you were talking before around, um, you know, we're, we're in a global pandemic, obviously, like that doesn't need to be, you know, um, put under the spotlight. We all understand that there's a lot of people that have lost their jobs this year. And I believe that over the next year, I think that that's, that's going to grow. I, I don't think we've even almost seen the start of it. So there's going to be a lot of people that are stepping into this coaching and consulting space because there's, there's no employment for them. Can you explain what an alchemy network is and how people can start to build this? Sure. So the goal, before you start doing anything, you want to understand what the goal is. So the goal is that um, you're able to get the attention and interest of your ideal clients in a way that stands out, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I will well, come back. I'll cycle back. And then you want to build relationships with people. So if you find that most of your business or your best clients ha- do come from a referral or an introduction, a relationship of some kind, and if you, you um, well, there's a couple of options, uh, but let me try to keep it simple. So, so if, if you find that, then building what I call an alchemy network positions you as an under-the-radar leader in your industry. You don't have to put yourself out as, as the celebrity guru type if you're not comfortable with that, uh, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, and then, you know, and, and then you get to know people over time in a leveraged way. So I'll just lay out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And, and before I start, I, I should say that this is what I stumbled on quite by accident because after I decided to shift from small company, you know, like, I mean, you know, SME size to, I, at some point I realized, well, there are a lot of people like me who struggle with this and I've now figured things out to a degree that I really could help a lot of them. I mm-hmm. didn't figure everything out. I still have not, but uh, there's a, but I figured out a lot. Uh, you know, I seem to be good at at least one thing, which is struggling through something, really suffering through it, and then being able to distill some of those lessons down in a way that others can, uh, can, can hear it and benefit in, in, in a way that they haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'm going to start helping consultants and coaches and experts to, to learn the things that I now understand so they can get they can make a good living from the their expertise. You know, you spend uh, years, decades, mastering your craft, developing a valuable skill, and and then you struggle to sell it, like those mm-hmm. guys we talked about before. Mm-hmm. So, what am I going to do? So, I I didn't want to. We're going back um, around 2010, and I I wanted to grow my business through a joint venture, teleseminars at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think Zoom existed. 
but uh, I, so I, I joined a few different online forums, some online com communities, and looking for the people who are direct marketing savvy, marketing and selling to the same type of audience as I wanted to, who would be open to cross-promoting each other. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really find the people I was looking for, but uh, I did notice how interesting it was that every community was different. It was remarkable. It was the, the person leading it really just the, the vibe, the energy, the focus was, was so different. And that, le that led me with the, the realization, that led me to the realization that is relevant today, which is that if you feel drawn to start your own alchemy network, don't worry that people are part of other networks or that there's so many other associations mm -hmm. or options out there. There are people who are looking for yours. They may not realize it until they stumble across it or hear about it, but they are looking for yours. And we can go into that more if, if we have time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't find the group I was looking for, so I started my own. I, I, I reached out to a handful of people I'd met online. and um, you know, I had a course I was taking, a program I was in, and some other places I'd met. And I invited them to say, hey, I'm starting this little group. The idea is that we'll, we'll learn from each other, we'll cross-promote each other, and we'll grow together. Mm -hmm. And they said, sure. Over the following years, we grew it to almost 200 members. So about 195, cool. 200 members. Mm -hmm. All people around the world marketing and selling to the same space. So we're all colleagues, and I'm going to emphasize that because there are different ways you can build a network. Mm -hmm. And it, what was remarkable was that so many people – in, in my group at that point, when um, they were, they included people who, when I was getting started, I would look at them as untouchable. Like they're so, mm -hmm. so way ahead of me. Why would they, why would they even want to talk to me? But now they were members in my network. They were members mm -hmm. in my, my group. And I reached a point though, where I realized that we have about 200, it was 195, 200 members, but about half are active and about half are not really active. I need to know who wants to be here. I, and there were a lot of people, we had some people who would like pop up uh, after a year of being completely silent. And I didn't really think that was good for the group. <laughs> so I started to charge because I've been doing this for free for the first eight or eight plus years. I don't remember exactly. So I was doing it for free. <laughs> and I realized it was time to start charging something. I resisted that for a number of years for whatever reasons. And I was afraid. Honestly, I was afraid of losing these relationships with these people who I, at the beginning, thought were so way ahead of me. Mm. Um, I, I, was, I, I still have a bit of that in me, honestly, sometimes. I meet somebody who's really a master at their craft or, or just really, you know, or, or that celebrity type. I, I don't really, I'm, you know, I'm being very, I don't, I don't really worship celebrity, but I'm intimidated mm. sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? I think there's a so, lot of people that would relate to that. Well, that's why I'm sharing, so they can know that there's still hope for them. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> yeah. So, and so I was afraid that we'd go for, down to maybe between 10 and 20 members. And it wasn't a huge amount, $1,000 a year. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what we're talking about. Fortunately, we, we did lose members, but we, we ended up at 45 and we're almost double that now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and you've been a, a member in the group. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you got to see what it is. You know mm -hmm. what we're talking about. I call mm -hmm. this type of group an alchemy network. Mm -hmm. And... And, you know, it's just been, it's just been fantastic. I mean, we, we have so many smart, good people who are mm. out there learning from each other, uh, supporting each other, crossing, cross-promoting each other. We have an active email conversation. We have a monthly Zoom get-together. We've got a quarterly Zoom get-together for those of you down in Australia uh, who can't make the other ones. And, and it's just like the, the people, members have, have made seven figures um, from their relationships in this group. Mm. 
I, I have also, but not in one year because I'm not looking to grow a big business. You know, I, I like having a little business that's really just me and, and an assistant for the most part. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but other people have bigger dreams and they're looking, you know, we have some members in our group who are, our group ranges from low six to low eight figures. Uh-huh. Uh, as, as far, I, I'm quite sure about the low eight. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So somebody's got multiple businesses, quite, quite a lot of, uh, anyway, certainly, certainly high seven. Anyway, the point is that, that I, I, I quite stumbled into this. Over the years, I, I've been cultivating this and people keep asking me like, hey, I heard about you. you've got this amazing group. Can I hear about it? Can I join? And it turns out that most people start a mastermind or something like this and it peters out. It falls apart. Our group was getting stronger. Not only that, but after we even started charging, it got even stronger still. And I came to realize that the, everyone, someone's teaching you know, Facebook ads and LinkedIn and this and that. And, and I had this thing that I was really good at, which is what I, I termed, I labeled an alchemy network. And no, mm-hmm. it's not like BNI and it's not like um, a lot of these other networking events. It, it, there's a lot that's in common because we're bringing people together, but, mm-hmm. but it's the nuances that make the difference. So I realized that, hey, I could probably start teaching other people how to do this. So over the last uh, year or so, I've really shifted everything I'm doing to ProfitableRelationships.com where we're helping other people become under the radar leaders in their industry by building an alchemy network. And by the way, you're, you're a podcaster. It fits beautifully with podcasting. And also uh, one of your recent episodes, you talked about the Chad Holmes' Dream 100 mm-hmm. strategy. It fits mm-hmm. beautifully with that as well. Uh, we can elaborate on that. This is a meandering conversation. We go. Isn't it? I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, Everything that's meant to come out comes out. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And nothing extra. There was no extra word here. Nothing. It's, it's all precise. <laughs> oh, so you, t- you mentioned that you started your Alchemy Network for free and then moved to a paid model. Is that how you would generally advise people to do it or is that a personal thing? Right. Well, that was, uh, that was just how it unrolled, un- unfolded. Mm-hmm. That's just what happened. It wasn't, it wasn't my plan. Um, but at some point I realized that that was the right thing. Well, mm. now I, I've been helping some people start their own. I, uh, since, since then I started that also, that every, when you come to a point in life where you're facing a big decision that your gut says, I feel this is the right thing to do. And your brain is telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't, but what mm-hmm. if this happens? What if nobody wants to sign up? What if you only get 10 to 20 members? My gut said, this has to be the right thing because it's just like we're losing something the way we are. We've got, mm-hmm. to, you know, we've got to know that the people here really want to be here. Mm. And I just felt it was the right decision to the point where I said, well, I'm willing to lose everything. And I think that's a place that we have to be willing to get to. We have to be willing to get sometimes when, when you sense I need to take a next step, but it's scary. But if we know it's the right thing, we've got to be willing to do it, even at the risk of losing everything. But I, we usually won't lose everything. Mm-hmm. But it's that acceptance, it's that willingness to, to lose everything that really helps, um, helps you approach it in the right way. Mm. So I, I now, I'm, I'm working with some clients and helping them develop their own alchemy networks. And I don't recommend they start for free mm-hmm. because it's hard to transition. Mm-hmm. But we do have a number of different models for how we can, the, the challenge is often that core, the initial core group, especially if you're going to be charging. And what I'm showing them is first of all, there, there's three approaches here, three mm-hmm. types of groups that you could be starting. One would be a group of colleagues. That's the group I've been running for the longest. And that's mm-hmm. one I described. Another would be a group of ideal clients where you create a network of your ideal clients who are there. It could be past clients, current clients, future clients, people you'd like to have as clients. Uh, and it could be recommenders. So for example, I have a client who uh, his ideal 
he, he does high value um, new product development consulting for large manufacturers, half billion dollar plus. And the work he does really involves a number of different departments in the company. So it really, and, and his, his consulting is going to begin at a couple hundred thousand dollars up to low seven figures. So it's really, he needs to be involved with a very high level decision maker for that. Mm-hmm. So bring everyone together and to make the decision, yeah, we're going to do this because it's not only the money, it's the, it's the impact on people's work schedules and, and the way that they work. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to reach the CEOs of those really big companies. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. So what we've done is we've helped him create an alchemy network of R&D directors. And he's reaching out to them cold using some good messaging that we developed. Mm-hmm. And I still remember uh, a while back when he, he said, hey, Dove, in the last, I forget, it was somewhere between 48 and 72 hours, he had five senior executives from half billion and billion dollar plus businesses book themselves on his calendar to talk to him about his alchemy network. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how so many people their messaging sounds the same. Even when you're attempting to customize it, it sounds the same. Mm-hmm. But when you're reaching out to somebody about an alchemy network and you're essentially saying, hey, I've got this going. This is what it's about. And you've got to have a good big idea. It's got to be compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of what, what I've been helping him develop and others. And then you kind of invite them to a, to a conversation, see if they're interested, if it talks to them. That's where suddenly you're giving something away. You're not asking for something. Even mm-hmm. if eventually it's going to have a modest one or $2,000 a year membership, which is what I recommend, then that message pops. It shows up. They, they, their brain is asking, should I pay attention? Is it interesting? And they're saying, yeah, this is not like everything else I've been getting. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And it's also not like inviting you to my Facebook group. And it's not like inviting yeah. you to my LinkedIn group, which again, those have a role. Everything mm-hmm. has its place. Mm-hmm. But this is different. This is meant to be something. This is meant to be where you know, long-term relationships Mm. So that when you're talking to that potential client and they say, you know, Samantha, what you're saying sounds really good, but we're just so swamped right now. Um, we're just, you know, we're having trouble keeping up. But I do think that six months from now is when we'll be ready to mm. do this great project that you talk that we're talking about. Because like, we really do need it. I just don't see us getting to it by then. It, could you get back to me in six months? And you say, okay. And then five months from now, you contact them and say, hey, uh, just getting back to you, like we said because you're not going to wait to the last minute. And they say, oh, Samantha, I'm so sorry. Um, I, yeah, we just started with these other people last mm-hmm, week or a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. We've all had that. Oh, it's horrible, We're, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like a big slap across the face. <laughs> exactly. And they, they completely forgot about you. Or maybe they didn't forget about you because you put them on, their, on your email list right? Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is fine. I'm talking about permission, of course, right? So you put them on your email list, which, which I, I, I have, a, we send out great emails all the time. So it's a good thing. The problem is it's one-to-one. It, it, it's, sorry, it's one-way communication. Mm-hmm. It's you to them, but you don't hear anything back from them necessarily. Mm-hmm. So that's if, you know, often emails are not delivered for whatever reasons, or they get, go to a folder or a spam and they may not see it, or even if they are seeing it still, what happens is that in the meantime, they met somebody else who is having a two-way conversation with them. That person is not just telling them things, but listening and hearing mm-hmm. what's really going on. Mm. And that's where the depth the, is, right? That's where the depth is. That's where you would have had the opportunity to uncover at month three is like, well, that whole other issue that they, they walked away from or they fixed it faster than they expected. And now, and now they are ready to tackle that next challenge. Mm. 
Now, alternatively, you, you know, you, you could also be reaching out to them in every few weeks or month. Hey, I found this great article that I thought would be interesting to you or send them this lumpy mail package or, or whatever it is. But often that feels forced. Mm-hmm. Far better is say, hey, you know, I, I get it. Six months is great. How about this? Because this is still an issue and I lead this network of people just like you who are all interested in this topic, which is closely, you know, which touches on what, what you're dealing with. And it's only one or $2,000 a year. Why don't you join us there? And that way you, know, you participate as much or as little as you want. Mm-hmm. You have access to other people that you can brainstorm with and you can ask me any question as well. Now you've suddenly invited them into something that makes them into a customer or client immediately. The relationship is now remarkably different. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, every couple of months you could say, hey, Bob, let's get on a quick 10 minute call so I find out what's going on with you guys so that I can lead and steer the group in a way that's most valuable for everybody, including you. Totally. What I love and, about And that's just it, part of it. Yeah. Totally. What I love about this kind of network so much is that we attract people that, um, you know, there's got to be some sort of attraction, whether it's a vibe or, you know, that people like us or whatever, whatever it is, everyone explains that in a different way. But when you've got a group like this and there's trust and people know each other, we all know we've got, um, you know, a certain outcome that we're all looking for. We're able to refer within that group or if we've got a question, we actually go to that group first because that trust is already built. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're generally not going to go outside of that group unless there's a gap that we can't fill in that. And that's what I find most about being part of an alchemy network. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And leading one, right? I now have Mm -hmm. two, right? The second one is for consultants who want to build an alchemy network, right? Then it's the Under the Radar Leaders Network. Uh, it's like owning the casino house always has an advantage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when, when you have this opportunity to develop these close relationships with people, now suddenly it's like having a back door to your ideal client's office. Everybody else has got to come through the front door, through the receptionist, through the gatekeepers. You've got the back door mm. and it's just remarkable. And, and it opens up so many opportunities. And, you know, there are all sorts of issues that come up. And, and this is where my many years of expertise in doing this that, I, again, I didn't set out to do, but, but, but I really, I, I suppose I, I went deep with it in ways that most people haven't. And issues come up such as, okay, how do you get that core group started? Because uh, some people are going to want to say, well, what, come back to you when you have the core group started. Well, how do you get a core group started if everybody has that problem? There's some questions about, you know, in, in some in some roles and responsibilities, people will be concerned about sharing certain types of information. How do you build a network for those people, right? And you know, at a high level, the answer is recognizing that everybody's willing to share up to a certain line. You got to uncover what that line is and make sure that there's value below the line, mm-hmm. right? And there usually is. And usually when they're with people that they come to trust, then a lot of people will cross over that line comfortably, certainly individually, even if not with the whole group. And still that provides great valuable value for them. And because you're the owner of the network, you're always in the picture, mm. right? So this is really, you know, the, I'll, I'll just kind of distill it down to this is that um, a lot of people who uh, are now starting their alchemy networks and I'm guiding them either kind of uh, they're going through just a program that I have uh, through the Under the Radar Leaders Network or they're working with me one-on-one or in um, whatever capacity we're doing this, is they come to realize, they get a little stuck on what's the value that I'm really providing here. 
Mm-hmm. And they think, well, oh, I need to throw in the, like this, this, this coaching or it's training and so on. And there's a place where, again, the training, of course, in some cases, it could fit very nicely with this. It could fit. But if you're selling the course, it's not the same because mm-hmm. anybody can buy the course. Over here, not everybody, even if just because they may be willing to pay your fee, you still may not accept them. Mm. Because the great value, the, the, the greatest value that you're providing is curation and conversation. Mm-hmm. I it's love the fact that, that you're, you're curating the network, you're not allowing just anybody in, and then you're making it easy for them to have conversations amongst each other. And that's why I, I call this leverage, mm-hmm. right? A lot of us are looking to go from very you know, one-to-one, very manual, so to speak. We're looking to automate and leverage, automate and scale rather, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I see that leverage falls between one-to-one and scale. There's scale on the extreme. In the middle is leverage. And I see that, you know, you have a recent episode about automating the systems. How did you say it? But not oh. the relationships, something like that, right? Yes, absolutely. And automate exactly systems, not relationships. About. So important. It's exactly. Because we can all tell when somebody, or for the most part, we think we could tell, right? When somebody <laughs> sends us a, a LinkedIn message that is probably designed to look personal, but is mm-hmm. really but uh, just one of 500 messages that they sent mm-hmm. out that day. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. it falls flat. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. So, um, it's really that curation, and then make the conversations happen. That provides leverage for you, as opposed to scale, because you can't scale relationships. And mm. that's just really one. This is a a an approach that actually works. And um, yeah, so that's what we've been doing. Totally, I love that. You can't scale relationships, and I think that that is such an important message right now. When you know people are always talking about automation, and I'm a big believer in automation in systems, but not in relationships. and And you can't put a price on a relationship. You never know where it'll lead. So, mm-hmm. for people that have been listening, dove, and they want more information, or you know, they really want to dive into um, Alchemy Networks. How can they get connected with you? Well, we put up a training on how to turn an Alchemy Network, or how to use an Alchemy Network to turn a lot of what you're doing for free—that relationship marketing—into a a brand new extra revenue stream of fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year. It's very reasonable, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if you're charging a thousand dollars per member and you got a hundred members. There you go. If you're charging two thousand per member, you get there. It might take a little while to get there, but along the way, from the very beginning, from day one, from the first conversations you're having, you're uncovering potential clients and projects. Mm. So like, the results is it really could be immediate, and it just makes everything else you're easy you're doing easier. So it's at profitablerelationships.com forward slash tlbl. Of course, we'll put that link up in the show notes as always. Dove, thank you so much for coming and dropping so much value today. It's been such a fantastic episode. As a, a supporter in the Wealth Dynamics um, framework, I love relationships. I love connecting p- with people. It's my favorite thing. So this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart and I love the way that you have put all this information together. So thanks so much for coming and sharing. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. Number one, grab a free copy of the Thought Leaders Positioning Checklist over at samanthariley.global forward slash checklist. Number two, check out my inner circle for coaches, experts, and change makers over at samanthariley.com 
www.global forward slash inner circle. Or number three, connect with me to discuss how I can work with you on a more personal or a one-on-one level at hello at samanthariley.global. I look forward to hanging out with you here again on Thursday, right here on the Thought Leaders Business Lab.